like we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. We don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Hey. It is a, another short show on this edition of the show because we're out of 5 o'clock for Sweet 16 coverage. Taking over in the South and Midwest region. You can uh, go out if you really wanted to. If you just love college basketball, I mean, tickets are True, pretty yeah. cheap out there yeah. for uh, yeah. Kansas City. Uh, we are officially in the bizarro world, though, Nick. What's that? What's bizarro about you know, Normally, KU is making a deep run in March Madness. Sure. And it has been noted many times by KU fans about Kansas State having like NIT appearances on a banner and stuff. Well, right now, what's happening is Kansas State is making a deep run in March Madness, and Kansas, all they got left is they're making an NIT run with their uh, women's basketball team. So we are in the bizarro world. Yeah. What, what's going to happen yeah. now? I, I don't know. I think is Kansas uh, State can win the title. I, oh, dude, that would be so bad. <laughs> That'd be really bad. Like, I can't think of much things worse than that, honestly. Wow. Um, but yeah, really no, bad. it was a, it was a good win for the KU women's team last night. So they stay alive in the WNIT. They're moving on to the uh, Grade Eight, as they call it, and they're going to be get this. They're going to be taking on the winner. This game's tonight. This is wild. Of Texas Tech versus Arkansas. Dude, can we get away from these clowns? No, I mean what? So what are we doing? If it's Tech, How obviously it'll happening? be a Big Twelve rematch. Yeah, wh- why does this keep happening with Arkansas? And yeah, dude, I, I don't know. I saw something going around social media. Um, because there were some Arkansas like staffers, I, I don't know what their positions were within the program, but they were wearing like to the second round game, they were wearing the Liberty Bowl Arkansas gear to kind of troll KU. Oh, really? And that I did not see after that. the game, one of the staffers who was wearing the Liberty Bowl gear said, "If KU wants to end their season in another sport, come dial us up." For women's basketball? For they just meant in general. If oh. they want to end their season in any oh. sport, like dial us up, we'll we'll play you, we'll end your season, dude. Is Arkansas our new? So is, is Arkansas our new rival? Dude, if I have to hear that woo pig suey <laughs> crap one more time, yeah, that's so annoying. So I, I actually am. Almost, but listen, they got blasted, so it's fine. I'm almost rooting for Arkansas, their women's basketball team, to beat Tech tonight because I we need some sort of. <laughs> I, I know it doesn't fix everything. It wouldn't change the Kansas lost Liberty Bowl or lost in the second round, but it make you feel a little better, right? I would if, feel better. But yeah. then again, I guess the counter to that is if Kansas women's loses to Arkansas too. Dude, what do we do? Just do we have to start calling ourselves Kansas? I think we do officially. I mean, that was the joke the last two times they played, but now it would be official. You lose in all three sports to end your season in the same year. You can't really come back from that. That's, that's, you can't. That that would be that would be devastating. But yeah, so uh, last night was a ton of fun, fantastic games in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you feel a little better about Kansas? I, I guess this can go one of two ways. About, I, saw, uh, I saw people talking about Arkansas this both ways. Blasting UConn. Yeah. Do you feel better or worse blasted? about Kansas losing to Arkansas now after you saw what UConn just did to Arkansas? Mm, I feel about the same. I don't know. I don't really feel 
Because, like, okay, here's the deal. Making the second weekend, I guess maybe not so much for Kansas, but, like, making the second weekend is, for most programs, it's, like, that's a pretty it's good It's a very big deal, yeah. Yeah, so, like, that's it's it's obviously better than losing in the, first, in the round of 32. And I, I don't know, like, but in the case of Kansas, you know, making the Sweet 16, I don't know how much, what, what that really does for, for KU fans. Obviously, the expectations are, are generally higher. But I will say this. Let me, let me throw this out to you. Let me suggest this to you. And I'm, I'm not saying that I believe this. I'm just saying, I'm just giving you, I'm gonna, I'm, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Are you, and, and it, I think it's easier to make this claim because of what happened to Arkansas against UConn, but would you, let's put, let me put it this way. Would you prefer that KU loses in the round of 32 so that you personally can then enjoy the rest, the, the entirety of the second weekend games right. versus KU playing in like the first game of the second weekend or the second game of the second weekend and losing? And losing? Yeah, so it's actually a fair question. That's what happened. That's what happened. Arkansas was the second game of the second weekend. If they, if KU would have played, beaten Arkansas and played, right, and played right? UConn and lost, would that have, will that have ruined the rest of the second weekend for you? I don't know about the rest, but it certainly does ruin it. Like I, I will say. So that's what I'm saying. Would you would, are you saying you prefer that KU would lose in the round of 32? That way you you can go into the second weekend and, and comfortably enjoy every game. No, I would still rather you, you take the you take the victories and the yeah. successes. But I do think there is that case to be made that like, you know, when you do see them lose, it almost like it turns you well, off from in, the rest of that day's action. In this action, particular right? season, it's I think it's easy to say, well, it's better to lose in round 32 because you saw what happened in Arkansas. Yeah, like, yeah. you were probably that was probably well, Like I'm, I'm tra- here's a perfect example. Uh 2017 when Kansas lost to Oregon. Okay. At that point, it was it was so disgusting to me to even watch that the, the lead eight the next day, because I think Kansas was the night game on Saturday night that day. And then Sunday, there ended up being an unbelievable game. It was that North Carolina-Kentucky game that, like, back and forth, Malik Monk hits a crazy three to tie the game. Luke May hits, like, a, a deep two-point shot, like, right before the buzzer to win the game. It was a great game, but I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it because I was so disgusted. And then by the time the Final Four came around, it's like, okay, you've had a week to kind of heal up and stuff, and you're still not feeling great about it. That's how this was. It's like you're still not feeling great about it, but like you've had enough time in between to watch them all. So you're right. It would impact things and would have sucked because then I probably would have missed the UCLA-Gonzaga game. But I think... Yeah, like would you have... Would you, you just, just you like, take your team winning Would you have and, gone and you to bed in anger or something for the UCLA-Gonzaga game? Um... <laughs> <laughs> I or guess something like that. I'll be honest. I, kinda, I was I was kind of sad about a lot of the results last night, to be honest. Um, so it was kind of a weird yeah, game for me. The K State game was tough because, like, objectively, it was probably the best game of the tournament. Yeah, but like, I don't want to say that. <laughs> uh, you had FAU Tennessee, who, um, I don't know. I I guess I picked FAU, so that one didn't matter. But I had I I was in a in first of a bracket pick. I had UCLA winning it all. So for them to lose like that, it was. Horrifying that for was, me because that, that was, was kind of the one of the things that gets you sticking around no, in was, a tournament, even when your your team's out. I mean, one, it's just a really fun tournament, but two, yeah, if you have something I mean, else to okay, root for. Okay, so you had two really good games. One like, or I guess two great games. Yeah, two one, great like, games. One like pretty good game. Yeah, FAU and then one blowout, and then one game that was over within the first. Five yeah, games. so I, I think as far as the UConn Arkansas blog, we, we can just get over that one quickly. Um. I, I will say, as much as Arkansas, or I'm sorry, as much as UConn did look great, and it's easy to just be like, well, they look great. They would have killed KU because Arkansas, you don't know how certain teams match up. Yeah. Things match up differently. Yeah. Uh, we also don't know if Bill Self would have been healthier or not, right? Like that yeah. would have been a, like a question going into that. There was a possibility. Um, 
Who knows? Who knows what happens based on different matchups? But I mentioned it this is after- disappointing though when you see. I, th- I think the most disappointing part of all that is you see how bad Arkansas played, and you yeah. see like Devo Davis going one for ten, and you're like, <laughs> really, really. Well, I uh, I mentioned this after the loss when KU played Arkansas. Was Arkansas? They just they kind of out athleted KU in mm-hmm. the second half. They just had better athletes, and it really is true. Like Arkansas is a team that is they have a it's a bunch of athletes who happen to play basketball instead of the other way around. You know what I mean? Instead of basketball players who are athletes, they're just really athletic guys who just happen to be basketball players. Yeah. And that's their whole team. Yeah. Yeah, I always thought UConn would... Because uh, UConn has two unbelievable centers. Adama Sanogo is one of the best centers in the country. And low-key, their backup center, the the Donovan Klingon guy or whatever. I I, I always always call it... Yeah, I always say Klingon. Klingon. Um, (laughs) But it's not how you say it. (laughs) He should get like an NIL deal with the... uh, (laughs) With like a... Uh, Star uh, Trek, like yeah. I think it, uh, whatever show they have going right now, it's like the I don't know uh, Picard yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Um, no, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. So he's really good, and and think about that because Arkansas can't really shoot in their athletes. You're basically putting a lot of pressure on not just your perimeter defenders to contain them, but also on your center or basically last line of defense on the inside to be a good rim protector. And Kansas didn't really, really have, have that. that, right? I mean, well, and, and even young if they guys, did, they're Ernest ball got in foul away. trouble. Yeah, you get yeah. in foul trouble. So it was just, it was just kind of bad for for KU there. But UConn looks like an absolute wagon. They haven't even stressed any of their three games. No. I will say, I think they're like plus sixty in their in the tournament run. I will say, um, I do think that, like, I'm right now going to be picking UConn to beat Gonzaga, but. We saw this with Kansas that 2017 year where they blew out all their first three opponents <laughs> and then they let a stinker in the Elite Eight. So it wouldn't be that crazy. Okay. Honestly, the more I think about it, this Gonzaga team reminds me a little bit of that 2018 Kansas team just from a standpoint of great offense, not very good defense. Um, that Kansas team didn't win the title. I think Gonzaga could maybe make a Final Four. I don't I don't know that they're going to win the title, though, still because of the defense. But everybody kind of doubted them because they haven't been as good as the other Gonzaga teams. Everybody doubted that 2018 Kansas team because they weren't as good as the other Kansas teams, but they still made a run to a Final Four. Okay, hand up. Uh-huh. When we were talking about the Gonzaga-UCLA game yesterday, I said, I said that Gonzaga's defense is not that good, and in March, if it's a close game, your defense, you need those, like, literally one possession stops to, like, define a game. And it didn't, it ended up not mattering for Gonzaga. They still ended up winning the game. So I guess I was wrong. But I don't think you were wrong because no one in their right mind would have expected Gonzaga to hold UCLA without a field goal <laughs> for 11 and a half minutes because that would be something that a great defense would do, right? <laughs> And and they're they're not a good defense. Like even no. even in that on, eleven and a half paper, minute stretch, not, yeah, on paper they're not a good defense. Like UCLA was missing wide open threes or wide open elbow shots for Jaime Jaime Jaquez, who usually makes it. Tiger Campbell missed like a a wide open layup. He tried to finger roll it in instead of banking it in. It popped out. Like they were just missing shots. Gonzaga in the first half was horrible defensively. Yeah. They got better defensively in the second half, but they're still not a good defense. That was. I I see Gonzaga winning that game, and, and and it's not to me like oh their defense has come to play. UCLA just missed open shots. Uh, well, and they, they were up, they didn't they were adjust to Drew Timmy, so they yeah. yeah they blew the lead. Uh, they gave up a last second shot, which is crazy, and the refs refused to call yeah, travel I, on Drew Timmy. Yeah, I thought like, it was interesting. In the first half, I was watching the game and I was like, "Wow, Mick Kernan's so smart! Like taking everybody else away, and if Drew Timmy's going to score forty, then but then you still win the game. Like who cares? Like wow, this guy's so this guy's a right. genius." And then you watch the game more, and you're like, "Wait a well, second. Well, maybe they should. Maybe you should like yeah. try to double him or something." Yeah, 
<laughs> or do anything. Th- there was that stretch for like a two or three minute stretch where I'm pretty sure Gonzaga got like eight or nine offensive rebounds <laughs> in like three or four possessions. It was unbelievable. And this is a, this is a solid offensive rebounding Gonzaga team. They're 81st in the country in that rate. But keep in mind, uh, part of that is because they're playing in the West Coast Conference. So it's not like yeah. a great offensive rebound team. And Drew Timmy is a guy who... He's a fine rebounder. He'll get six or seven rebounds a game. He had like 15 of them last night. Also, I can't believe how bald Mick Cronin is. How bald he is? Like, it's shiny. It's like, you know what I mean? I guess. It was wild. Okay, get this. So, uh, yeah, Gonzaga rebounded 45.7% of their misses. That's good. The only games they did better, San Diego, so, okay, who's like 224. That, Northern Illinois, who's 248. That's terrible because if you're playing one-on-one with Timmy and not doubling... You'd think that would make you a better defensive rebounding you would think. team. You would think. Because you're not trying to double it. And instead, it made them worse. Yeah, it did. But uh, I, I do think the injuries caught up to UCLA. because. Yeah, is this going to be a what-if year for UCLA? I think like, so. For UCLA fans, they're going to be like, oh, man, you know, that basically we won the title, except we didn't have our two best players. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Clark, uh, I mean, certainly in a game where you struggled against their offense, that would have been nice to have another wing out there defending Julian Strother or whoever. I think the one that really hurt him was the Dembona. Yeah. He got injured in the Pac-12 tournament. He actually played in, like, their second-round game, Yeah, but, but then, then he, he missed. He re-injured, re-injured his uh, yeah. shoulder, I think. Yeah, and uh, I think that was the biggest part of it, that they that they weren't. Like, maybe that strategy would have been a little better if it's a Dembona. Like, you still might have given up 30 to Drew Timmy, but if you give up 30 instead of 36, you win the game. And then uh, above it all, the 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 cojones of Gonzaga down one point after they blew the game. Like they they got off. If if they would have ended yeah, up no, losing I, that it game, was, uh, Kevin Harlan was on the call, and I think he yeah. said, you know, is this another is this another Adam Morrison moment yeah, or something? It felt like it was. And then, but the the cojones to be down one, and to shoot a logo three straight on, unbelievable. Well, did you see the post game with Mark View where he was like, yeah, that's what we drew up. Like we drew it up to get it Crazy. to Strother, and then he was either going to shoot the three or try to drive. That worked. Which also, that's pretty impressive from a coaching standpoint because you've got a guy who scored you thirty six points, and in, in the clutch time of the game, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna drop a play for somebody else. That's the shot of the tournament, right? Is that would, the Furman one? So. I don't know how there. you count the oop from K State. I don't know. Do you count that? As yeah, a shot? that would be. I yeah, I get. Yeah, it's not really a shot, but that's one of the plays of the tournament. I guess that that's the dunk of the tournament. Let, let's move on to that K State game. Um, so K State. Takes on Michigan State in what might be the game of the tournament. And now that they've played in two unbelievable Sweet 16 games. That one, the Xavier one from like 2010, so much fun. Um, Michigan State just could not stop Marquise Noel. No. He would just drive into the lane and get right by his guy, and then it force, force help defender, and then it would leave but somebody dude, else wide open. K-State hit so many dumb shots, too. Just yeah. Like, the, just like so idiotic you're in agreement shots. with Tom Izzo. You're in agreement with they were lucky. I'm not agreeing with Tom Izzo. I'm, just, I'm saying like... They was just impressive. They hit a, they hit dumb shots. I'll be honest. I do kind of agree with Tom Izzo, but so if you're Tom Izzo, that, you shouldn't say that. For those that don't know, Tom Izzo, the direct quote I think he said he was basically like, he was talking about how, oh, you know, they they played well on offense and whatever, but also they banked in a couple threes and they whatever this then the other, and then at the end of it he said so they got lucky. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Now, now I do think, you know, if you're a fan of K State, you you take that and you're mad and you're like, what do you mean, like? You're saying we only won because you're lucky. I don't think that's what he meant. And if that is what he said, then if that is what he meant, then that would be stupid. That's not even the most egregious thing he said, by the way. Yeah, but but I do think we'll get into that in a second here. <laughs> I do think it's impossible not to be like, yeah, there was a little bit of luck there. But guess what? 
I mean, dude. Guess what? It's March Madness and the teams that yeah, go I'd... further. Sometimes that's just the difference. Oh, absolutely. And, and but celebrate I mean, like, that luck. But Who I mean, how, how can you not look at that play? I don't even know when this happened. I mean, the game was so crazy. So many different things happened. How can you not look at the play where there's like one second left on the shot clock? Noel like gets the ball and then just blindly turns around and throws it at the bat at the basket. Yeah. And it banks in. Yeah. No, like that, how do you not? How else luck. do you define that other than luck? Now I will say, uh, Michigan State in 2010 made the Final Four in their second round win over Maryland. They hit a banked in three at the buzzer. <laughs> um, they also had like a banked in three in their run to the Final Four. I want to say in 2015 that was like a key shot that they needed. So it does happen. Yeah, so I mean, it's just it's the tournament. So I, I think it's I think it's factual that yeah, there probably was a little bit of luck there. But I think it's also factual you need some of that to go far in the tournament. And I I don't think if you're the head coach of either team, you should be talking about that. Yeah, you should just say you know what I mean. Hey, they played really well. Yeah, they made some clutch shots. Tip of the cap to them. Like whatever. I feel bad for our guys. That Thought sucks. we played pretty well. Yeah. Also, but again, we, also like, we suck. Even if they had some of those luck moments, if you stop them in other plays, if you make your own luck, like well, also the, the play. What the, were they doing at the end of the game? Shoot a shoot. Yeah, that was bad. Literally shoot the ball. The play where uh, Marquise Noel tries to shoot the deep three from the logo at the end of the overtime and it gets blocked and it goes out of bounds. Like, why are you not just grabbing that ball? Blocked. Well, it got tipped. Um, Barely tipped. Like, they just let it go out of bounds. Yeah, they Lee did. Paul could have just yeah, grabbed yeah. it. And instead, well, he lets I thought, it go out of bounds. I think it was, I think it was, I don't think it was Stan Van Gundy. No, whoever the color guy was for that, I thought made the, the, the correct point, which is, at that point in the game, if you have a chance to grab the ball, grab it. Right. Like, if, if, correct. if it, you have a chance to well, grab like it, just grab it. Too. Yeah. Like, don't don't allow that play to be potentially dictated by a review, which it was. Yeah. That was, it was an unbelievable game. Uh, a lot of shot making back and forth. The FAU Tennessee game was just kind of a fine game. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was fine. Uh, it was FAU fine. had like a kind of fun comeback at the end uh, to burst ahead, and then once they got ahead, Tennessee couldn't score, which that's the ultimate that's, Tennessee that's thing. Tennessee, yeah. Once they get down there, they're kind of screwed. So now that leaves us in the Elite Eight here. Um, in the East, we have the ninth seed Florida Atlantic versus the three seed Kansas State. I'd like to shout out my dog who picked that perfectly. The rest of her bracket, not great, but that's Good job. okay. Good job, Derek Stott. Um, And then uh, UConn taking on Gonzaga in the West. So what sticks out to you, I guess, first about the East? Okay, would this not be classic Kansas State to lose this game against Florida Atlantic? It would be a little similar here's the deal to the Loyola this. Chicago, but this is a much better team than that was. But here, well, And here's the deal with this. To me, those losses, because they had, they had Loyola Chicago, they had another one. I think it was where they made the Elite Eight and they the lost to a Butler low seed. in 2010. Okay, yeah, yeah. that one, yeah. The thing about those ones, though, is I view that as more of like a Bruce Weber-isms games. <laughs> well, 2010 like, was... Uh, oh, Bruce Weber wasn't there. Was, was uh, Oh, gosh, I'm blanking on the guy that went to South Carolina. Uh, oh, Frank Martin? Yeah, yeah, Frank Martin. Okay, well, anyways, set that aside. This the, To me, that's like a Bruce Weber thing, to like have the uh, easy path to coast to the Final Four and you lose. So I don't know if that logic still applies to this game with Florida Atlantic and now that you have Jerome Tang, who is actually... A good coach. Yeah, I, I probably not. And, and like, think about the uh, well, the the Frank Martin one. That was a really good Kansas State team. I don't know which one is better between that one and this one. Um, but like, Florida Atlantic is ranked 17th on Ken Palm. Kansas State is 21st. So, technically, Florida Atlantic is actually like the better team here by that metric. Uh, but I just the way I view it, Marquise but Noel listen, is like on an K-State unstoppable had, run right now. Coming into this game against Florida Atlantic. K-State has the two best players, right? Yeah, they and do. And maybe three of the best four players. Yeah. So I, I think that I, I like K-State to get through that game for sure. I don't think this is going to be similar to those two. That's sad. I don't think it'd be that crazy if Alabama were to lose to one of San Diego State or Creighton. That'd be devastating. 
And then there is a real path there. I don't even want you for to Kansas say State it. making no, the title. No, game. I, I, I really think not, it's there. And then if you're there, it's a I'm point not going to hear it. I'm just saying. I'm not going to hear. I don't it for think now. it's that impossible. The Kansas State. I'm not going to hear it. They're not the favorite. I'm not going to hear it for now. It's not impossible. I'm not going to. Sorry, you don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Well, let's go to the other side. UConn versus Gonzaga. Who the heck wins? That's that's, that's going to be the game of the Elite Eight, right? I guess Houston, uh, Texas probably. could be really fun. Yeah, yeah. UConn, if you have UConn, Gonzaga, Houston, Texas. And, like, I think Alabama and Creighton will be a good game also. And maybe just Agreed. because Creighton's a 60, yeah. it doesn't have the same flash. But, but yeah, I mean, I mean, think about it. If you get Alabama, Creighton, Houston, Texas, and UConn, Gonzaga as three or four Elite Eight matchups, wow. That's wow, really right. good. Yes, it is. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, that'll be fun, the matchup with Sonogo and Klingon versus Timmy. I think they're a little better suited because of that than UCLA. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, my because picks... the thing is, it's like, you have Sonogo against Timmy, and let's say, you know, they battle, right? Mm-hmm. And then you just bring in Klingon. Right. <laughs> and, then, and then Klingon is there. <laughs> what are you laughing at? I, I don't in. know at this point if you're joking when you say it like that or if you actually think it's pronounced that <laughs> no, way. But keep going, that. please. Okay. <laughs> you bring him in. And then boom! Now who's who's coming in for Timmy? Not Tim. Not another. Not, no, another, not Timmy. another Timmy. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, so, do you agree with me? Are you going? No, you're probably going FAU. I, K State and UConn are my picks from those. I'm going to be rooting for FAU, but I don't know. And then I, I guess UConn, but UConn. it wouldn't shock me if Gonzaga. Won. No, it really wouldn't either. I would be a little surprised if Gonzaga won the title at this point. Still, just because I still am holding back on the defense, but yeah. it wouldn't shock me at all. Well, because I mean, ball. think about it now for Gonzaga. They're going to have to go through UConn and then. In the final four, probably Houston or Texas. Yeah. Like, that's brutal. That is brutal. And then maybe, like, Bama in the yeah. title game. Very brutal path, for yeah. sure. Yeah. All right, he's that, could, that could have been KU. <laughs> I'm Derek Johnson. This is uh, RCST. David Lawrence is going to join the show, talk a little KU women's basketball and KU football spring ball coming up in less than 15 minutes. And right now, we'll be back after this time out on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Happy Friday. And... Uh, I know every time we, we get this man on the show, people love listening to it. That would be one David Lawrence of the Jayhawk Radio Network, who uh, I guess you might be able to hear on, on the call of the next KU women's basketball game in the WNIT. I guess it depends if they're hosting or not, but uh, they won last night and a big win at that. They move on to the grade eight of the WNIT, taking down Nebraska. And who knows, they might be able to uh, get... I don't know, finally revenge on Arkansas here. Feels like Arkansas is kind of picking on Kansas. Arkansas is playing tech on the other end. Uh, But right now, this has been a strong run for the KU women's team in this WNIT. Three wins already for them. David, what what have you seen across this tournament for KU that's gotten them to go on such a deep run? Derek, it's great to be on with you. Uh, To start out, you got to give the badness. You know, about two weeks ago, uh, maybe... Yeah, it's been a little over two weeks. We laid an egg. We, we lost to one in seventeen TCU, and uh, that basically kicked us out of the NCAA tournament. And that was certainly a goal of everyone. But but then things, uh, you know, that's the low point. And it would have been easy to just, you know, hey, we went to the NCAA last year. The NIT would be a step back and you know, not have a great attitude about that, perhaps not, you know, being all in. And it's just been the opposite of that. These guys have just got mad and they're taking it out on their opponents. And it's, um, it's been a lot of fun. You know, this last week being able to take on two rivals 
you know, Missouri and then Nebraska, both at Allen Fieldhouse, both good crowns. Um, this team is not extremely deep. However, the bench has really stepped up and supplied good defense and rebounding what they need and even got eight points last night. And all five starters have played very well. Um, and, you know, it's all about Chandler Prater. She is uh, an interesting kid, six foot, a little undersized, um, going against six two six three last night. And in the second half alone, just one half, she scored 12 points with 13 rebounds. It's just an amazing, uh, and, and she just wills it. She's just the toughest kid that's, you know, on the court and finds a way to uh, make up for mistakes with extra hustle, uh, using her strength and her determination. Uh, Just uh, a lot of fun to cover and uh, just proud of her, you know, being a Jayhawk and the rest of the team as well. Yeah, and uh, I think it's always nice for these uh, NIT runs. I mean, I, I haven't profiled enough from the women's NIT, but you look back to some of the, the men's ones, and a lot of times the teams that go far and you know have success in this or win it all end up having really strong seasons the next year. I don't know if, if there's a correlation there between the extra game reps and practice time that you get or if it's just kind of independent, but like you think back to the men's game, I think Xavier won the NIT last year. Now they're in the Sweet 16. Two years ago, TCU won the NIT. Now they've made back-to-back second rounds in the NCAA tournament. Um, how helpful do you think this extra play is going to be for for next season's team as far as the players who will be returning? You know, I think that's a great comparison to to like a spring ball, uh, in or you know playing in a bowl game. And having those extra days of, of, of practice, you know, as far as a, a football team, but yeah, they they are getting that. But but also, I think they're having fun, and maybe you know, doing a little postseason bonding, uh, bringing them together. I think most of these players are going to be back next year for a COVID year, and will have extremely high goals set out for next season. And then you see people just getting better. I mean, Tiana Jackson. Just a one-of-a-kind uh, matchup problem for everyone we play. Six foot six, one of the quickest kids on the court. Extremely coordinated. Led a fast break last night. Um, you know, consistently getting three or four blocks with twelve plus rebounds. Shooting sixty plus percent from the field. Zakiya Franklin is the one that's really come on. Um, you know, a, a first-team All-Conference player. Uh, being able to get in the lane and doing multiple different types of spin moves uh, to get open looks and also being able to knock down the three. Holly Kurskeeter, you know, she was uh, injured maybe a little bit sick uh, a few months ago, and she's set to finish very strong. Um, And then there's Chandler Prater. She's, uh, She's amazing. I mean, she just started out, was not a starter. Uh, She was behind Iowana Hatsi-Leonti, who's really not being able to perform this year for various reasons. And uh, so sometimes bad things produce good results, and Chandler Prater is, is certainly a good result because it's hard to compare it to anyone. She can make a three-pointer, but she's 
not a great three-point shooter. She's definitely uh, good at mid-range, 15, 16, 17 feet. But she can post up on people bigger than her. She's, uh, you know, the extra hustle, 50-50 ball. She's going to get on everyone and intimidates the other team because of it because they just don't want to mess with her. So a lot of fun to cover. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, to your point, I, I think this will help us going into next season. We're talking with David Lawrence of the Jayhawk Radio Network here on RCST. KU football spring ball is also in the midst of happening right now, a few weeks out from the spring showcase. Uh, Let's start with the offensive side of the ball. What is the position group that you are most keeping your eye on right now in the spring? Well, when you say offense, just pull out last season's roster because, you know, that's who we have with a, a couple of extra guys, uh, one of them and a very impressive, there's two offensive linemen, both both impressive guys. Logan Brown, um, a large human being. I think you were at the avail when he was uh, sat down with, um, with the writers. Uh, he, he's going to be challenging for um, uh, certainly some, some extra time uh, or starting time on the offensive line. Spencer Lavelle is the other guy. Again, extremely large, very experienced. Both of those guys in the transfer portal. So we're going to be deeper there. And, you know, typically offensive linemen don't need as much rest as as other positions, but we really didn't have much at all last year. I mean, we were playing basically six guys, and you'd like to have more than that. And I believe we are set to have, you know, more than six guys uh, I think if it's going to be closer to eight guys that can really fill in and, and coach Fuchs is adamant about, you know, being able to play multiple positions. So guys, and, and then Kobe Baines coming back, he, he came in about September last year and didn't really have a lot of time, but he transferred in and, and he's in the mix to get a lot of playing time. But, but Pooney is back and, uh, you know, the, the whole host of uh, other offensive linemen are Maj, Reed, Adams, Michael Ford, um, and Mike Nowitzki, of course, our, our center. So um, we'll need to get better. We need to get better at every position. And I think that's the first thing we need to say because, yes, I am extremely optimistic, but just mirroring the women's basketball team, of all things, you know, how they stepped up a year ago, uh, if you – play at the same level, you're not going to do as well because you don't sneak up on people. Uh, It's no, no doubt that we, uh, we snuck up on some people that next year that won't happen. You know, we're going to be a much bigger target for our opposition and we're going to need to be better. But I I think unquestionably we are going to be just about everywhere. Uh, Receiver group. I think we've got one guy in, I'm not sure if he's getting a lot of active snaps, but I mean, these guys, um, you know, Quentin Skinner, uh, you know, he's looking really good. Shiraz Buncombe is the new guy, and I haven't seen a lot of him out there. But uh, uh, these guys uh, look good. Um, uh, I think it's going to be a solid group. Excellent tight ends, as we know. They're all back, you know, led by Mason Fairchild and company, uh, having good springs. And the running back room is, um, you know, we've got some guys kind of recovering 
from some stuff, and we're being a little bit protective of that. Uh, but uh, Dylan McDuffie has um, come in who played at Buffalo, recruited by the staff, went to Georgia Tech, and uh, he's having a solid spring. So he's going to add to the depth right there. Um, and Savion Morrison's getting a lot of snaps. So the uh, the running back room is good. And, you know, uh, I, I think uh, Highshaw and Neal, uh, when you put the two together, are going to be as good as any pair in the conference. And uh, I think we're going to have the uh, preseason uh, first team pick at quarterback. And that's that's kind of a big deal, right? J.D. is, I call him the magic man last year. He's certainly healthy. And, um, you know, we can just cross our fingers that we'll have a full year with Jalen Daniels. But also, Jason Bean is back. And uh, he's only going to get better. And Ethan Basco, who thrown into action limited time, uh, snaps last year is faster, bigger, stronger, and I like where his head's at. So better depth at quarterback as well as a tremendous starter. So, yeah, the offense is in great hands under Coach K. And uh, looking forward to uh, another year and build on it and get better. Right, what about the other end of the ball? That's obviously the unit that will be looking to improve the most from where they were last year to this next season. Defensive line has a lot of new faces. Linebacker core, a lot of returning faces, but also adding a guy like J.B. Brown. Uh, secondary, mostly returners, but you add you know, Demarius McGee in there. W- which position group on, on that end of the ball are you most keeping an eye on in spring? Well, I, I think interior defensive line and linebacker are the two areas. You mentioned J.B. Brown already. I mean, this guy looks looks apart uh, in the limited uh, snaps I've been able to watch him. You know, he's he, he, he's going to be he's good. He's going to be a solid uh, Big 12 linebacker, in my opinion. And, you know, that, that's been an area where we need to be better. And uh, he's showing signs to do that. Very physical, big kid, can move around. Um, another kid named Tristan Fletcher, who uh, probably not as tall as uh, you know the uh, stereotype linebackers in this conference, but he's strong. He moves around extremely well. In, inside, you know, a couple of guys. The one that really jumps out at you just because of his physical presence. He made an appearance to the media for the first time last week. Is Devin Phillips, six foot two. I don't know what he weighs, but, you know, I'm guessing 330-ish. And uh, I, I think he's got good explosion. And uh, he's going to be a, a lot of fun, you know, to watch going forward next year. So, uh, you know, we've got a, a, another guy on the inside. Uh, on the outside, um, I, I don't know that we've got a, a Phelps on as an outside rusher. We do have a good-looking kid wearing number 99 this year by the name of Austin Booker. He's a six foot six kid. So he's got a lot of length and he's really working to get better out there. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think our best returnee he should be on some lists for first team all conference. And that's Jeremy Robinson. Uh, very, very solid player on the outside. And then Tommy Dunn and DJ Withers on the inside return. So a lot of, returners and not to mention last year's strength and that was in our secondary as those guys are back um as you mentioned the transfer that's uh coming in at the quarterback position 
he is back as he is back there as well, competing for some time. And uh, that's Dylan McDuffie, as you mentioned. But uh, you know, I look for those guys. I call them the super sophomores. A year ago, they're just going to grow up and and get better on that backside. And Jason Gilliam, who was originally a safety, came in. He was one of the most impressive guys of a couple of years ago. He's fought a couple of bad injuries, but he is going to be at linebacker this year. So uh, remember that name. He's going to be wearing number 10, like his safety number, but Jason Gilliam. Uh, and then uh, that backside, Kobe Bryant, Mellow Dotson kind of lead the way. So. Um, I, I'm looking forward to it. Don't really know much about special teams, but we know that that uh, you know jumped up and bit us in the in the backside towards the end of the year. We'll have to be much better there, and I, I know that Lance is working on it. He's on top of everything, and you know the general thing when you go out there on the field is the bodies. You know, there's a lot of times because your freshman class isn't in yet, but of course now a lot of freshmen do enroll early. And the transfers come immediately, but you know we we've got way more bodies in the spring than what you know I've seen going back. You know, I don't know if we've ever had that many bodies, and I don't have a number for you, but I think it's well over a hundred. So that's great to see. He is David Lawrence. You can hear him on the Jayhawk Radio Network. David, appreciate the time as always, man. And uh, I know you're looking forward to that spring showcase here in a couple of weeks. Absolutely, and thanks for having me on. That was David Lawrence of the Jayhawk Radio Network. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, one to go. We're out early today for Westwood One coverage at 5 o'clock as the uh, Sweet 16 continues on here on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, klwn.com, KLWN app, or, uh, I don't know, I guess in the future on the Best of RCSD podcast. Depend on it. Four o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I am Derek Johnson. And we continue on with our Football Friday editions of RCST as uh, KU Football Spring Ball continues on. The showcase in just a few weeks from right now. We had a chance to catch up with a bunch of the different players over the course of this week. So we're going to get you all that audio here uh, in the next two segments here on RCST. We'll start with some of the players we got a chance to talk to on Tuesday. The first was Dylan McDuffie. So right now, KU is dealing with some injuries to the running back room. Devin Neal, Savion Morrison, uh, Daniel Hyshaw still working back from his stuff that um, has kind of caused a, a little bit of a thinner running back room for spring ball alone. And so Dylan McDuffie has been getting a lot of reps, but the good news is he was in the Buffalo system with Lance Leipold before eventually transferring last year to Georgia Tech and now coming over to Kansas. He's an experienced veteran back who's going to provide really good depth for this team and um, in case of injuries, be there, but also probably spell some backs with with different snaps, be a guy who wants to play on special teams. He was uh, impressive to talk to. Here is the conversation with Dylan McDuffie. What's the biggest thing that, that you want to add to the team that you want to add to the offense? Um, I just want to add on, honestly. I mean, I feel like this is a great offense, you know, explosive, physical, um, tough. I just want to come in and just, you know, add, add to all three of those phases and just keep trying to elevate this and, you know, make it better any way I can. Do you want to have a, a role on special teams as well? Oh, of course. I mean, that's that's a third of the game. And, you know, special teams is just about toughness. you got to go out there and just one play at a time and just give your all. So that's something I know I could do, and I want to help in any way I can. And special teams is definitely a part of that. 
You originally went to Buffalo with Lance Leipold and the staff. Now that you see him here, is there anything different about him? Is he the same guy? Yeah, Coach Leipold always been a cool, cool guy. Um, honestly, just it's just fun. Like you know, it's it's been a crazy experience. You know, everything has came full circle for me, and really just you know. As I'm older now, I would say like some of the some of the things you know that Coach Lightpole preached on when I was a freshman and sophomore are just hitting home a lot harder now. Just you know the details and the attention to, attention to focus on some things and you know just really honing in on being intentional with every rep because practice goes by fast for me. I feel like and there's not many reps that go around when you break it down and think about it. So everything has to be detail oriented and uh, uh, attention on the focus. So, I mean, really just those things he preaches are just things I try to, you know, hammer in and have a bigger emphasis on when I talk to myself now, honestly, and just really just try to focus in on that stuff. Well, even though this is your first year in the program here, because you are familiar with Leipold and the staff and everything and and what they've wanted, have you kind of tried to take on a a bit of a leadership role to help maybe some of the younger guys out? Um, I just come in and work, you know. if, If I feel like, you know, there's a guy I could talk to, whether pull him to the side or just let him know in that moment, then I'm going to do it because I feel like that's what good teammates do. But I just do whatever I feel like, you know, the team needs in that moment. And leadership is definitely something that I don't shy away from, but I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a lead by example type guy. And, you know, I feel like I try to have friendships with all my teammates. So when I do try to talk to them about, you know, anything that leadership-wise related, you know, they know it's coming from a good place. Favorite thing about coming to KU that maybe you didn't know about before you came out here? That's hard. Let me think. I mean, I feel like this is an easy answer. The basketball games are crazy. Like, I've, I've never seen no college basketball environment like that. So that's, that was something that just kind of showed me, like, what firsthand the KU fans are about. And I just can't, I can't wait to play in front of them, honestly. Yeah, so what do you think that would be like for that filled up at a football game? Man, crazy. I dread. Literally dreamt about it a couple nights ago. Can't even can't even joke about that. All right, yesterday was the official start of spring. Rank for me the four seasons of the year: spring, fall, <clears throat> summer, winter. All right, well, fall just because it's football season, obviously, and then summer because you know barbecuing, good weather, great great music. Um, spring, I would say, because you're getting closer to the summer. You know that little eager feeling, the weather getting better, and then. I'm from Buffalo, so I don't. The winters are pretty bad, so I mean, I'm gonna say that just because I'm I'm tired of snow. You know, we had a bad storm, so. You said music in the winter, go to out al- or music in the summer. Sorry, go to album for the summer. Last summer would have been uh, Realer Two by NBA YoungBoy for sure. That was Dylan McDuffie at KU Football Media Availability. Always nice when we get to catch up, too, with one Jared Casey, the living legend in Lawrence for uh, KU football. Here's conversation with Jared. What's been the uh, biggest offseason part for you? What are you trying to most improve on your game? Yeah, I'm trying to improve my speed mostly, um, my body composition, get my fat intake down. Um, those are basically the only things I'm really focusing in on. And uh, my inline blocking, um, my hand down in the dirt, uh, getting on some DNs, so that's the main things I've been working on. What do you consider your position? Because obviously you're a tight end, but we see a lot going around as like a fullback, H-back at different times. Are you just kind of, I don't know, the, the utility guy? What's What do you consider your own position? Um, you could say utility, but I mean, I'm classified as a tight end, so we're going to go with tight end. So um, I can do a lot of things. You know, as you said, I line up in a lot of different positions, but 
I will classify myself as a tight end. Who's a maybe player that, you know, we saw a ton of you and, and both Mason on the field last year. Who's a player uh, in the tight end group, whether it's a new player like Jaden or somebody who uh, you think could have a really bright future here at KU? Yeah, um, like you said, Jaden's coming along really well. Um, Max Dowling is another one that's sticking out. He's obviously progressed. He's a walk-on, but he's been progressing over the spring uh, season. So those are two guys that are sticking out. And obviously Trevor, Trevor's doing a great job. And we're all just competing hard and trying to win the spot. So. What do you think the biggest difference for this offseason, this spring, is to maybe last spring? Um, I would say knowing the intent of the play and what, what, what is going to happen. So, um, you know, which they came in two years ago now and kind of put, on, put in the offense, and now we're, we're really getting it, um, starting to understand better what, what, what he's calling and what the intent of the play is supposed to be. Is there different plays? Is it an expanded playbook, or is it just kind of more about uh, – getting used to what you currently have and and trying to perfect that there's a little bit of both um you know you gotta master the mundane as we call it first and uh get to know the specific skill set of obviously the first plays and then um the more unique stuff and the eye candy stuff will come along with it i think the spring officially started yesterday rank the four seasons of the year for me um i'm a cold guy so i'm gonna have to go winter um and then summer spring and fall but i mean football seasons in fall so it, it goes into winter so I, I like the colder days so I'm going to rank winter number one for sure. Jared I think everybody knows your story by now but how are things different for you that you've been in this program now you, you look at more yourself maybe more of a leadership role than where you were a couple years ago? Yeah um, like you said it kind of changed pretty quickly for me all of a sudden and um, I kind of fell into that leader leadership role. Um, I mean, I was really vocal and stuff, like even when I wasn't playing a lot and um, led with my actions and everything like that. But um, like you said, um, becoming more of a vocal leader now um, and being being like one of the guys, one of the main guys and um, the others look up to and follow me and what I do. I was the first time getting to talk as well to uh, both uh, J.B. Brown and, and Logan Brown, the two transfers that you brought in from Bowling Green and Wisconsin, respectively. With JB, he is a linebacker and unrelated between the two of them, even though they share the last name and both are very good at football. Um, JB Brown is the linebacker from Bowling Green that had really good grades on like pro football focus and some of his stats and everything. And I think right now he's probably being looked at as either one of the starting linebackers. If not, he'd be the first linebacker off the bench. I think when it's all said and done, if you're asking me to guess, I think he's going to end up being one of the starters. I think he will end up being one of the team's best linebackers. But at the very least, he's going to play a big role on this team. I'm excited what he can do. Here is J.B. Brown. What's been the biggest adjustment for you coming from from Bowling Green over here in Kansas? Um, It really hasn't been that much big of adjustment. Just been trying to learn the playbook as quick as I can to get be more uh, quicker on the field. Which linebacker spot are you playing? I'm playing Will right now. And is that what you've always done? Yes, I have. Uh, what's the biggest part of your game? What's the biggest strength of your game that you think you can add to the team? Um, my speed. I feel like I'm very quick shooting gaps. How much did I don't know seeing a guy like what Lonnie Phelps did coming from the MAC last year to doing really well here a season ago? Did that impact at all you transferring in? Yeah, it did impact a lot. Um, seeing that he made a big impact coming from the same conference that I did. Uh, what's your favorite thing about the city of Lawrence? Um, good food restaurants. I ain't have too many back in Ohio. It's been good. Uh, what jersey number are you gonna be wearing? Uh, I don't know yet. It's just like coach picked that out. Is there any number that that you want to have for any reason? Uh, not really. I'm just trying to go out there and play. 
And uh, what's what's the linebacker group like? Funny guys, smart guys. What, what's it like? It's, it's the best one linebacker group I've been a part of. They all just want to see us win each other. So it's been a, a great like group. Maybe what's the transition like? I mean, you catching on to the defense? Talk about that. Um, yeah, I have. It's been pretty easy. It's kind of like the same defense, basically just different terms. But um, the position group, they've been helping me like figure it out more quicker. So it's been good. Take me back to the recruiting. I mean, just getting to know Chris Simpson and what he's told you and what's it been like being coached by him? Oh, it's been great. Like, we just started off. It was a good bond, like, as soon as we met. So I trust him. So he, I know he's going to put me in the right position. I know they've got a few different positions they use for the linebacker. What position are you playing in the group? Uh, I'm playing Will right now, but I, I plan on learning Mike, too. So. All right, so people who haven't watched you play, What's JB Bound's strength as a player? Um, physical, always to the ball. Yes, sir. Thank you. What are your expectations for yourself, I think, coming into a season like this? Um, helping the team, just helping the team reach their goals. Like, we got goals this year that we want to accomplish, so that's been my biggest part, being the help. Okay, that was J.B. Brown, the new linebacker from Bowling Green. Logan Brown was certainly a uh, popular Talk to candidate from the media when uh, he was made available on Tuesday. The former transfer from Wisconsin, former five-star recruit, uh, had a lot to, to hear from him from why did he choose Kansas to come into Kansas to talking about, you know, one of his, uh, I guess, role models with his grandfather and, and plenty more. He should, uh, I, I don't know, I, I guess I would, I would say this. If you're Jalen Daniels or Jason Bean or any of the quarterbacks and you got that guy blocking in front of you because – you can you can see some of these guys. You, you don't see them in pads, but when they come in and they they interview with the media interviews, some of these guys just look different. And they're all big dudes. They're all football players and everything. But some of them not just look big for just normal humans that you see every every day on the street. They look big for football players, and they just have different types of bodies, wide shoulders. All that is Logan Brown. He looks like a physical specimen. And, you know, he, he did really well blocking at Wisconsin and everything. It's going to be fun having him at KU. But uh, here's a conversation with Logan Brown. When you picked Kansas, I mean, it, it was a fairly quick process. Did, did What did Kansas do that you said, this is where I want to be? Because it happened pretty fast. Um, a lot of it was Matt Gildersleeve, my past with him. I went to the same high school, had the same high school strength coach. Uh, so that played a huge factor into it. Um, I'd say another thing would be the fact that our coaches here are people. I can just go have regular conversations with them. I don't feel nervous going into Coach Leopold's office. It's just, you know, just another conversation. Right. Yeah, and obviously there's a little bit of that Detroit connection, that Michigan connection. Where no, Grand Rapids. Yeah. Yep, Kentwood, yeah. Michigan, to yeah. be specific. But there's a Chris Simpson. Is he in on the recruiting with you? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And he's a yep. kind of mentor. I mean, yep. did, did I mean Coach... Coach Fooks even had a little stunt yeah. at uh, Grand Valley, yeah. which is 15 minutes away from the house. So, yeah. so there's cons- yeah. there were some connections yeah. with the staff. And then they were, you know, I spent four years of my life in Madison, and they were close to Madison when they were the staff was at the, what was the D3 school? I forgot the name of that school. And now I, oh, it was I'm called Whitewater. Yes, yes, yeah. Whitewater. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, it was just a bunch of little things that just kind of added up and just made it feel comfortable. Right. And then after you committed, I'm, I'm sure where you were, you were getting phone calls from other people. Yeah, it was a big shock. It was a really big shock to a lot of people. Um, but uh, I knew what I wanted. My fiance was happy with it. I was happy with it. Um, 
At the end of the day, that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. And you just you committed and you said, this is where I'm going. No yep. more phone calls. Yeah, I think even with my grandfather, um, he's like my best friend. I talk to him all the time. But um, he was like, before I came on my visit, on my visit, he was like, I think if I know my grandson, you're going to go to Kansas. I was like, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> so, I mean, this is where I fit in. Yeah. You know, I've, I feel I've gotten along well with our teammates here and um, coaching staff and just being myself and comfortable. Yeah. Logan, what do you see from the offensive line as a group since you've been here? Um, we're all pretty close. It's pretty fun. I mean, that's kind of how every offensive line is, in my opinion, from um, all the people I know, you know, just through coming up in college football. It's just a, it's just a tight little brotherhood. Yeah. Like, granted, your team, you can consider it a brotherhood, but something about the offensive line is different. I know. So I mean, you come from Wisconsin, that's known for pretty good offensive mm-hmm. line. What have you seen about the quality of talent here since you've been here? Um, there's definitely di- it's different because at Wisconsin, I mean, we're so run heavy there. I'd say size is a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, Big Twelve so dang athletic and fast compared to the Big Ten from what I've seen already, and you know, just watching games and stuff once I committed. Um, I'd say just maybe the speed of the game, just within the groups. Just everything happens a little quicker here. And the boxes are smaller, like less numbers, so it's just different. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. What was maybe your favorite thing about KU that maybe you didn't know or, or Lawrence or the area before you came out here? Oh, I never thought about coming to Kansas. I mean, it was just like one of those things. It was like I didn't – I don't think I knew Lawrence was a town before. Um, that might sound bad, but I just didn't. Um I'd say the biggest surprise was it reminded me of just this, like, this is very suburb, suburban. Like, and then our campus itself is a college town. Like, so you were thinking town. you were going to come out and it was going to be like farmland? And, yeah. Because of the stereotype of Kansas. Right. I mean, <laughs> and then I think how hilly it was. Yeah. It was super hilly. Like, just getting out from Kansas City to here, it was just the highway. was just up and down, up and down. And um, even... Um, I think when my fiance's sister was here, she was like, it's kind of hilly here. I'm like, it is. And I don't know why, but it is. <laughs> and then, uh, I don't know, it was, that was probably the biggest surprise to me. You said your grandfather's like your best friend. You talk to him all the time. Uh, do you have a fun story about him helping you out in your, in your football career at some point or maybe as a younger kid? Um, not really. I can talk to him about anything, but I mean anything. Um, it's not even about football. I always just looked up to my grandfather. <clears throat> he uh, he's a uh, he used to race um, race boats and short track and, and he raced sprint cars. So that was pretty fun. I grew up going, you know, always going to his pole barn, seeing him work on the cars and stuff like that, building a boat. Went to a few races of his when I was younger. Um, it was just something that was always great to me. And with that, I went up there every other weekend. I was like me and my grandpa. Uh, spring started yesterday. Four seasons of the year. Rank your four seasons. Yeah, yeah. Um, spring, fall, winter, summer. Okay, that was Logan Brown, the offensive tackle, the transfer in who I think right now is competing for the starting role at right tackle with Kobe Baines. But I guess would it be crazy if if he shows out over the course of camp and fall ball? Maybe he could usurp like Bryce Cable do, who seems to be the starting left tackle right now. That'll certainly be something to watch. But you'd imagine he'll be a key contributor for KU. They're just trying to make him earn it, as they do with every player, whether returning or transfers into the program. We have some more audio that we got to hear from players on Thursday. We'll share that with you 
on the other side. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk and Football Friday here on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into RCST. We are out early today at 5 o'clock for more Westwood One coverage with the Sweet 16 and the NCAA Tournament. We'll have plenty more Westwood One coverage over the weekend. Whenever the next KU women's basketball game is, it could be Saturday, Sunday, or Monday, though they're waiting on the winner of uh, Texas Tech and Arkansas tonight. Uh, because that game's going on tonight, I figure it would probably be more likely that KU would play them on either Sunday or maybe even Monday at that point. But uh, we will air that game for you here on KLWN whenever it does happen. Continue on with our KU Football Friday here on RCST. Yesterday I had a chance to hear from five different players. Nick caught up with one of the new transfers, Austin Booker, the D-lineman from Minnesota who seems to have a pretty high potential and ceiling for this team. Here is that conversation. I love the defense. I feel like I fit in this defense a lot a lot better. Just uh, It's a lot more speed, less, um, less run plays. Uh, and that's definitely my strength is pass rush and speed. So I definitely feel like I can use that a lot better and it's been good uh, getting to know everybody and I love the defense so far. So. Where do you feel like you ultimately decided to come here? I think you might have caught the end of that from David. But. Yeah. Um, I mean, as you guys know, it was between IU and here. And I mean, everyone thought I was going to go back home and whatnot. But um, everything besides, everything outside of the field, I felt like IU might have been better, but. I decided to make that kind of football decision, yeah. and I feel like this fit me a lot better than the Big Ten. So, who were big roles in, you know, why you ultimately decided to come? Were those coaches, teammates? Um, I necessarily wouldn't say it was many people. Um, obviously, you know, Gage, we transferred from the same school. That's definitely a close friend. But I wouldn't say I've uh, put that on any people, rather than what I, what I was going to do on the field. So, Lance is. Coach Leifel has brought you up as someone with Lonnie moving on as a big potential guy in the pass rush. Was it me to hear that confidence from your coach? And I guess, did you expect that out of yourself? So uh, yeah, I, I got plenty of confidence in my game, and I definitely like how uh, Leifel has confidence in me too. And those two working together definitely definitely does good on the field. What was maybe the biggest surprise to you coming here when you ended up, when you ended up coming here? Um. Uh, in, like specifically, just on the field, or even just in general, just. Um, I wouldn't say many surprises, just because after the after the visit, we watched one of their bowl game practices, so I was pretty familiar with everything, watching some film with Panagos and whatnot. So, um, no really surprises. Also, if you have to break down your game, what do you do well? What's your strengths? Uh, like kind of like I said earlier, speed, pass rush, but I also like to get physical. I like to tackle. So uh, that's definitely a big part of my game also. Since you've been here, I, you played at a good defense at Minnesota. So, what have you seen from the D-line and the defense here at KU? Yeah, they're young, real young and real hungry. Um, yeah. It's been good uh, working with them. What specifically do you want to try to improve in your game towards the end of the spring? you got a little less, less than half a spring left. What is something you want to improve on? Definitely. Um, it's kind of always been my thing to work on, just being tall. Um, just getting low, I need to work on that in my game, most definitely, especially from a two-point stance. It's definitely harder to uh, get low off the ball. So um, using the three-point stance and fixing up my two-point stance, definitely getting low is a main focus for me this uh, spring. Austin, I think when you got to Minnesota, DJ Flex said you were putting up athletic testing numbers for some defensive backs. Where do you think just the athleticism you have comes from? Um, I would say two things. Uh, first off, my parents, I got real good genetics. My uh, mom played basketball, my dad played football in college. 
um, in secondary. Uh, in high school, my football coach was Coach Moore. He's also the track coach, so he definitely brought me from where I was to where I am now. And uh, yeah, so Coach Moore was a big part of that. You potentially playing a lot more snaps. I guess how exciting is that for you compared to maybe where you're at Minnesota last year? Oh yes, yeah, it's, it's super exciting. That's a uh, that's all I've wanted since uh, I came to college. Um, so yeah. That was Austin Booker speaking with Nick and uh, members of the media. Also got a chance to hear from another transfer, did Nick, Demarius McGee, the transfer from LSU, who's a corner, adds a bunch more to the corner depth, which already looks pretty good now for KU. But also you figure he's going to be right in line to be that next big starting corner after, you know, one of these guys with Kobe Bryant and Melo Dotson uh, goes, I don't know, with Kobe maybe goes pro after this year or graduates in a few years. Obviously, Kalen Gervin going to graduate at the end of the year. So just having that depth in case of injury and, and for the future, but also a guy that just can compete. And who knows, maybe he usurps one of those guys and outplays one of them and earns a, a bigger spot in the lineup than we assume. Here's Demarius McGee meeting with the media yesterday. So, so why did you ultimately decide to come here when you were in the portal? Mm. I felt like they was wasting my talent, so I just wanted to go somewhere I could show my talent, show everybody what, what, I'm, what I'm about. Why do you think that Kansas was the right spot then for your talents? Uh, I really ain't know until I came on my visit. Okay. But like, yeah, they showed me like they showed me like the real, and they gave it to me like the real. That's why I like like just come straight forward to me. I don't want you to sugarcoat nothing. They ain't sugarcoat nothing. They just told me straight forward. I'm at to come in and work. So who was talking to you? Who? Uh, Coach Pete. Tell you? Coach Pete was. And then um, Kenny, he filled me in on a lot of stuff because he was my host when I came down here. What do you think about Kenny? Oh yeah, that's my guy. That man, that <laughs> man is hilarious. Big personality. Yeah. Yeah. What's maybe been the most surprising thing to you so far since you've gotten here? I'll say the players, like the connection the players have, because um, I'm big on loyalty and like all of them, they, I can call all them my brothers now because we all just won. Like everybody, even if I don't know them, they still talking to me, I'm talking to them. What about just like, I guess, Lawrence, the city or the campus, everything in general? What, what Anything surprise you about that? You know, I'm, from, I'm from Pensacola, Florida, so everything flat out there. <laughs> but like, I just like seeing like the hills and the views, the different spots. What about the, what about the weather? What do you think of the weather? Gotta get used to it. <laughs> I don't really, I don't really deal. I don't really do the cold, but it is what it is now. I guess for the rest of spring practices, what are you hoping to see from yourself? What are you hoping to? Is there anything specific you're trying to work on before the end of spring? Everything. I'm just trying to up my game. I'm trying to be the best one on the field at everything. What has some of your impressions been on other guys in the cornerback room, like maybe Kobe Mello, Gerv? Oh, yeah, my God. I ain't gonna lie, like our cornerback room, I, everybody, everybody can play. Everybody got talent to me. What do you think everybody does well individually? Kobe, he the, he the hype man. He gonna, he gonna keep us up. Uh, Melo, he kind of quiet and chill, but he, we elevate our boy he do on the field. Um, Gerv, Gerv, he's like, I actually like Gerv because He's, he's big on technique, and, like, i just been scoping him out, seeing what he does to see if I can add it to my game. Uh, Book, that's my guy. He quiet, but he going he gonna to put in work. He quiet, going to put in work, same as Quinn. And then what do you bring to that cornerback room that's unique to yourself? Oh, I love it. I mean, I got a little bit of Kobe, a little bit of mellow in me. Like, it's just, I just, 
I just love to be with the guys. When you're on the field, what do you feel like they're asking you to do? Who do you feel like you're, 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 they're asking you to be? Myself. I mean, like, come from LSU, like, they, they was they was real big on, like, the stuff they wanted. But, like, here, that's another thing why I came here because, like, they say, like, it's really up to me. Like, they just going to give me them tools that I need to make my game better. So you feel like you're a cover guy, stop their own? Like, what do you feel like your strengths are? Uh, cover guy. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. But I, I'll come down and hit you, though. <laughs> How much did KU's success last season maybe play into you deciding to come here and understanding that maybe this is a program that is continuing to, to be on the rise? Uh, I mean, we, we got some guys that came in. I feel like we just made the team even better. Uh, I really didn't see much of the season last year because I was, you know, in my own season. But um, I went back uh, to watch, like, certain games and stuff like that, and I'm – I'm gonna, I feel like I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it better. Thanks, and sir. also the other guys that came in. I talked about in the previous segment with Logan Brown. Like sometimes you just see certain KU players, and you can. It, it's just a different body specimen. It's just a different body type. You can tell that dude is built for football. Essentially, Devin Phillips is the transfer from Colorado State. He's a defensive tackle. That dude is wide enough that. I I I I don't even know like how to describe it. I mean the the shoulders like he he is built to play on the line in in football because that dude just would plug up a gap. But he's super athletic too. He's quick for being how how big he is and strong he is and wide he is. So uh, Devin Phillips had a fun conversation with him and other members of the media. Here's what he had to say. Devin, how did you make the switch from O line to D line? Um. So well. <laughs> Early on in my high school career, I played both sides of the ball. Didn't know where I was going to fit, moving up to varsity. So uh, played, I was a little lighter back then, played in and right tackle. Uh, going into my sophomore year, made the switch to offensive line and played that my whole career. And I uh, had a few snaps at D-line while I was in high school. There was a few schools that recruited me for defensive line, and uh, Colorado State just so happened to be one of them. And I uh, just wanted to – I felt, in my own opinion, just felt like playing offensive line that I was going to get complacent at some point, and I wanted to come out and challenge myself every day, knowing that I needed to get better. And being in a new position, I knew I could do that doing that. So, Which did you like better, like actually playing? I like playing defensive line, I would say uh, – just really in my head, one rule, get to the ball for the most part. But offensive line, uh, had some fun there as well. Uh, used to love pulling. That was my main thing, pulling and uh, cleaning up ends and linebackers for the most part. So, Do you think playing offensive line helped you play defensive line at all? Yes, sir. I feel like that helped me a lot, knowing, like, looking at different offensive linemen, like reading them, knowing the sets that I can get and will get, and just basically – or long, as Further on in my career, I learned to read backfield sets as well. So being able to combine that with the different uh, offensive linemen, hand placement, like weights and stuff, I could possibly be able to read the offense of what I'm going to get. Devin, we've heard that you move pretty well for someone of your size. Where do you think the athleticism comes from? Uh, just being – growing up, I always wanted to be a skill, actually. So in peewee football, my first time playing, I wanted to be a running back, actually. And uh, first day, I did all the running back drills and uh, – Next day, he moved me to uh, offensive or to be a lineman. So I was like, I wanted to play running back. I was like, you're going to play wherever we put you at, I guess, because of my size. So uh, just being, just I guess that kind of turned me to being, okay, if you're going to be a big lineman or a big guy, be actually be able to move. So kind of just uh, growing up, doing different workouts and uh, stuff like that, being able to just work out with the 
lighter, faster skilled guys, being able to try to keep up with them kind of, I guess, gave me the twitch and able to move at my size. Have you told Coach Cole Mickey you want to come in for some goal line packages? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so hopefully we can get there soon, but trying to uh, focus on playing D-line right now. How, how much of a, a benefit is it for you to have other guys like Booker and Keys and those guys, you know, you're all new to that D-line. Does that help you guys not only form that bond of, hey, we're the new guys, but also help each other get up to speed and things of that nature? I feel like, uh, yeah, we help each other out for the most part. Um, We have our own experiences, but we're here now, so we just uh, basically, I guess, come back or just rely back on what we've been through and kind of combine those and try to see where we connect in that and just basically, yeah, it helps form that bond and help us get to know each other better. What do you like about what you've seen from those guys? They're new to you, so. So, uh... I want to say, as far as I've seen a lot, I like the way they play football or the tenacity that they bring, the twitch, and just the way they play with the edge for the most part. And, uh, yeah, that was a really good guy. He'll be good players here as well. You got to know Coach Panagos through the recruiting. What's it been like playing for him here in the spring? Uh, he's lived up to everything he said. Uh, I love playing for Coach Panagos. Just uh, brings the energy every day. I like the way he challenges us when we go out there to practice. And just having that challenge and knowing you got a challenge gives you a – better edge to get what you got to do done. That was Devin Phillips, the transfer defensive tackle from Colorado State. How about Quentin Skinner, moving completely different from the defensive tackle to the tall, skinny wide receiver who uh, enjoyed a really nice season, former walk-on, should have another uh, really strong season this year as kind of a deep threat for KU. Here's Quentin Skinner meeting with Nick and other members of the media. What you guys are trying to work on, how you're trying to improve, and get ready for the season uh, our big three goals uh coach samuels uh illustrated was illustrated was um you know yards after catch that was a big thing we noticed through the season we need to uh emphasize more throughout our game and perimeter blocking is our second one uh staying strong on the outsides for our, uh, our runners with the ball to uh, rely on us to stay strong on the outside so they can get past us and third one i'll say availability you know just move around everywhere find every key piece where you can uh, make plays on the field if it's slot if it's outside if it's even in the backfield um just uh, being a playmaker. Mm-hmm. There been any newcomers or freshmen that have really caught your eye so far? Uh, with Siraz being in our room, definitely uh, putting him to my hip. You know, and showing him the ropes. You know, um, he's a very, very open-minded person. You know, he wants to learn. So you know, that's a good thing. And uh, with me coming in uh, when I was a freshman, and that was one thing I told him. You know, just be open to everyone. Learn game from everyone, even if it's a quarterback. You know, just see how a leadership role or a tight end with strength or an old lineman with physicality. Like just taking each. Uh, possible ability of the whole football field. The defensive secondary has added some guys. What have you seen from some of those guys going, maybe going against them in practice? Uh, availability, you know, just playmaking ability um, from jammed off coverage to reading coverages, um, knowing your personnel. There are definitely uh, some dudes that will make you work for sure. So, so you feel like that also helps you get better as well? Oh, it has to. You know, going against them every day, you know, you want to uh, – Iron sharpens iron. So, you know, if someone's getting work, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we're both uh, trying to be great. Going into last season, maybe your your room wasn't a room that a lot of people were necessarily talking about outside the program. I guess going into this season, how, did that maybe feel you last season, or how do you think you can build that into this season? Uh, I'll definitely say uh, in the interview from uh, in August, I believe they uh, asked about us, and I, you know, I didn't really talk too much about it. I said, let the ball, uh, you know, show itself. Uh, so, you know, I feel like we sparked up a lot of a lot of heads and a lot of eyes uh, with our abilities to make plays. Um, Sorry, my bad. I kind of went off your question. You said what's like kind of your head going into. Yeah, I mean, just how do you, alpha last season, how do you think that goes into this season? Uh, just minimizing errors. You know, football is a, it's a small game, but it's big at the same time. You know, there's it's small, 
small moments of where you can have error and, you know, just trying to minimize those as possible. What's your level of comfortability in the offense now, maybe compared to last season? Uh, I'd definitely say it's improved. Just the fact of being able to know the ins and outs of being at slot in the backfield, um, obviously outside, you know, too, but um, very comfortable. That was one thing Coach K uh, emphasized as a whole, as an offense, is uh, availability, kind of what I was saying earlier. You were on the outside a lot last year. Is there a possibility you might be – but get some different positions this year? Yes, sir. Uh, just mixed everywhere, you know, that goes with the scheme, you know, and just where uh, my best capabilities are uh, on the football field. Okay, that was Quentin Skinner. Last but not least, got a chance to hear from another one of those guys with, you know, one of those, uh, yeah, you're built for football bodies. Spencer Lavelle, he's like 6'6", 6'7", 300 and, and something pounds, uh, wide-shouldered, but like still kind of, I don't know, he's not like, you know, it's not like out of shape big. Like it's just, very, very impressive. Some of the the size and strength that KU has added to the team, which I know that's not everything, but it's something. It is football. You're hitting each other. This is a physical sport, right? Uh, but he was a really insightful kid. Was at Cal previously, Arizona State before that. Here is Spencer Lavelle, uh, offensive lineman. So, I mean, a part of the team, the biggest thing to talk about is culture. So it's about making decisions every day that's going to set you up for success. Um, and when you get, you get, you get these young men in college, right? Um, they'll make these little decisions every day. And the thing about the culture that, that, that they set here is those little things make a big difference that the little stuff matters. So doing that stuff on a daily basis becomes part of your process. And when you build a good culture, we can hold people accountable and, you know, call people out Then you know, you're going to have a great culture and you'll be able to have like a, a player led team. And I thought that was really cool. And I think the culture here compared to the other three universities is, is probably is the strongest I've seen. Yeah. So when, you, when you look at the offensive line, come in, just, just the group, the talent, what do you see? Um, I think this offensive line is uh, more deep. I think we got a lot of really good guys that, can, that are going to play for us this year. And I'm talking, this is probably one of the deepest O-line room that I've been a part of as far as guys who are ready to play and, and that will play for us. I mean, I think you look at the numbers – we have, what, nine guys that have played in games, nine, ten guys that have played in games or, you know, started in, in college football. So, I mean, just that alone is just there's depth and there's a bunch of, you know, our O-line is going to be, you know, good this year. Absolutely. What makes Jalen different from other quarterbacks you protect? Um, so I was, uh, I was with Jaden Daniels at uh, ASU for a little bit. Um, Jalen uh, kind of reminds me of that. You got that dual threat with that too, um, and that's really nice to have. That kind of that takes that takes a, you know big pressure off the line. But I think the difference with Jalen is Jalen's able to you know command the huddle and stuff. I think is is able his ability to lead is something that kind of really stands out to me. Do you ever accidentally slip up and call him Jaden? <laughs> Actually, what's funny is like people will talk about uh, Jaden Daniels at, at uh, LSU. And they'll call him Jalen Daniels. I'm like, that's not, that's not his name. It's Jaden. No, no. Spencer, how old are you? Uh, 23. Okay, so if you could, humor me real quick. Yeah. You've got a guy like Calvin Clements who graduated high school earlier. Yes. He's here, yes. brand new, young. And then there's a guy like yourself, been through a lot. Yeah. Older dude. What's that dynamic like? How, how, do, you, how do you bond with a kid like that? And, and what, um, have you done that with him yet? I think, you know, as time gets on here, there will be more opportunity for me to, to really link with him. But I, I think um, I always like I always like taking young guys under my wing. 
um, especially because like, because I look back when I was a freshman or yeah, freshman in, in you know college, and I look back to playing and I wasn't ready. Right. You think you are. You think you. You think you know. You don't know what you don't know. Um, so I think that part is just realizing, especially at O line, that it's such a developmental position that it's going to take time. You're going to mess up. It's just about getting better. And so I think like once. You know, because Calvin, he's already made big strides, and I think he's going to be a really good player. Um, but I think um, he's got to just, you know, enjoy the process and, and really get a good process down. So it's like when you go to football, what are you going to do on a daily basis going to make you the best that you, you can be at that time, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that would be, you know, a, a cool thing to do. Uh, that was Spencer Lavelle. I would imagine he's going to be playing kind of all over the line. It sounds like he's profiling more as a guard, but because he is versatile, you know, maybe if you have a couple injuries, like he could profile as, hey, if you have to kick him out to to tackle, you do. But I think right now he's competing to be one of the starting guards at the very least. But it's going to be very competitive on that offensive line. A lot of really good players, talented players, and some of those new bodies in there certainly add to uh, what KU can can do in terms of just moving guys off the line of scrimmage. All right, that is our uh, KU Football Friday. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we're going to switch over to a little basketball to finish out the show, previewing the rest of the Sweet 16 tonight and recapping what happened in last night's Sweet 16. This is our CST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. And the Sweet 16 continues on tonight. We're going to have uh, all your action with Westwood One coverage starting at 5 o'clock, which means we're out real quick after this segment. Um, We'll have the Elite Eight coverage, too, with Westwood One over the weekend and whenever the next KU Women's Basketball WNIT game is uh, as well. So the games tonight, we have the South Region and the Midwest. The South Region is Alabama versus San Diego State and then Creighton versus Princeton. Which school are you giving a better shot at pulling the upset, San Diego State or Princeton? I would say San Diego State. Because, listen, how much longer can the whole Revenge of the Nerds thing continue? Like, at some point, the nerds are going to get crushed, right? Yeah, but St. Peter's made the Elite Eight. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. And, listen, I've said it on the show throughout this week, really. I've been really high on Creighton for a long time. I think they're a really, really good team. And... To me, they have a chance to beat Alabama if Alabama advances, and so does Creighton. So I, I expect Creighton to win, maybe not easily, but I think they'll control the game. San Diego State, I think, has a little bit of a better chance, but, man, I, I don't know. I just feel like I don't think San Diego State's going to be able to score enough is the issue. Yeah. Like, Bama gets out and runs, and for San Diego State, like unless they just have elite-level defense the whole game, I don't see how they're going to be able to keep up. But to San Diego State's credit, they are sixth in the country in defensive efficiency. Um, they're they're really good, but yeah. the problem is they're. I don't think they have faced a level of no, athlete slash scores like Alabama. No, that's the thing. They usually just out athlete all the teams in the Mountain West, but now you're not going to be able to do that against Alabama. Yeah, I do think San Diego State keeps it close. I think they slow it down more to Bama's liking. I think because of the defense, but I think that's the problem at the end of the day that I think Alabama gets through because. I don't think San Diego State's going to score enough against what is a very good Alabama defense, third in the country. Yeah. Um, with the Princeton one, I, I would still answer San Diego State to that, but I will say I do expect Princeton to play close. Like I think Cre- so? Creighton wins the game, but I think Princeton covers the spread. It's like 10.5, 9.5 right now. Yeah, uh, look at the last two 15 seeds who made the Sweet 16. St. Peter's just won outright last year against Purdue. Year before, Oral Roberts played Arkansas, and they, they had a— uh, a three-point shot. I forget if it was to win the game or to tie the game at the end of the buzzer, and they just missed it. So I, I think I think they'll play a close game, but I like Creighton to to advance through. Yeah, 
And then as far as the Midwest, which is happening in Kansas City, you can get like cheap tickets to that if you're interested in just seeing some basketball action. Houston, Miami, Xavier, Texas. Uh, what kind of interests you from Man, that bracket? I don't know what to do about Miami. Like, what do we do with them? I don't understand. What do we, what's the... They have been, I mean, Gonzaga's kind of become this too. Like, Gonzaga, but they, Gonzaga's 73rd on defense, but they keep chugging along. But they have the number one offense. And they are, they are not just the number one offense, but like, it's, it's pretty clearly them. Like, the distance yeah. between them and second, which was Baylor, is... I don't know, like around the same distance as like Baylor to like eighth, which is Houston. Yeah. It's almost that. So uh, it, it, they've just been that dominant. With Miami, like, and this is back to back years they've done this, they have like a sub 100 defense. It's 109th. They have a good off, a really good offense. It's 11th, but that's not like to the same level of Gonzaga. They have the guard play that they'll just make shots. I mean, Isaiah Wong has been on a long run before. Nigel Pack, we know, is really good. Uh, they've got an experienced team because of that Elite Eight run last year. I just to me I feel like with Houston they play so physical they have athletic guards all over the floor Miami was cuz we saw Kansas play play Indiana right who who Miami played in the second round Yeah what stuck out to me about the Indiana game was when Indiana plays a very athletic team they're screwed cuz they're a, they, they they have they're they're not ultra athletic I guess would be the way of putting it they play two big men they've got like the big white guy shooter on the outside they they can't keep up with athleticism in transition game uh, defensively and that's how Miami beat them they spread out the floor they had a bunch of guards shooting threes Houston they're not going to be like at a lack for athleticism to keep up I will this is what I will say about this game is I'm curious if the pressure gets to Houston. And maybe they crumble a little bit under that pressure because they didn't look that great in the first weekend, right? I mean, they barely scraped by Northern Kentucky, basically. And against Auburn, in the second half, they were great. But in the first half, they struggled too. So uh, that's my only thing with Houston is, like, they're probably the team that, I don't know, they're probably the team that has the most pressure on them, right? The Final Four is in Houston. Yeah. You're number one seed. You got the Midwest like you wanted. And... I think Miami now, is the second worst team on Ken Palm Alive. Behind, yeah, and now you get Miami with a chance to go to the lead eight. Like, that's the only thing is I, I wonder. I wonder if Houston the the pressure will get to them because on the other side from Miami, no pressure on Miami in this game. No, right. So that's the only thing. But I Houston, I think is the better team and should win. Yeah, and, and I think I, I guess Miami. This is interesting. Has the worst defense of all the teams alive. Really, uh, by Ken Palm. Yeah. <laughs> So I expect Houston to win that. The Texas Xavier game, as, as as high as I am on Texas, and I think they are a legit title contender. Xavier is the type of team that I don't think Xavier is has a shot at winning the title, but they can take any of these teams out. I personally have been disrespecting Xavier quite a bit. In this I have tournament. two, but they're not going to win the title. They're sixty second in defense. <laughs> they're just not. They're seventh on offense. They're but they can beat any of the these title. teams. They can beat any of these teams because of the offense. They play at a super yeah, fast probably, tempo. Yeah. They have like four or five guys that are averaging 14 or more points per game. They've got the guard play with Colby Jones and Sully Boom. I kind of have, the more I, I think about it, I kind of think Xavier pulls the upset on Texas, okay. and then Houston beats them in the Elite Eight. That's my Could projection be. right now. Could be. All right, well, that is our uh, quick preview of the Sweet 16 for tonight's action. You can hear it on Westwood One. That'll do it for this edition of RCST. For Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Check out the Best of RCST podcast. We'll see you Monday. Later. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN in Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.